house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hi, everybody. Welcome to tonight's episode of Bible News Radio. I'm going to open tonight's song, our show with a song by Chris Rice called Everything's Okay. While you're listening to this, please take a moment to share this out, okay? Because everything's going to be okay. I guarantee it will. Don't worry. We're going to encourage you. Looked out my window last night from my pillow and I saw the willow weeping a casual sigh. The man in the moon looked rather sad and confused as if he'd become a mirror to my watery eyes. I dreamed and prayed through the night. I know a lot of you did that, haven't you? Please send some grace with your morning light. Then he sent you along like a summer day With a blue sky smile on your funny face And a bird flew by singing everything's gonna be okay So we laughed all day with the man in the moon And we thanked the good Lord for the afternoon Cause he showed me his love by sending me you And it's okay now Everything's okay Long, low, and gentle rumble Starts in the west and tumbles Across the corners of the colorless sky I blow a kiss through the dark It's gonna be okay, people. Sails on the thunder and reaches heaven's heart Cause he sent you along like a summer day With a blue sky smile on your funny face And a bird flew by singing everything's gonna be Okay, so we laughed all day with the man in the moon, and we thank the good Lord for the afternoon, cause he showed me his love by sending me you, and it's okay, everything's okay. I know you don't think it's going to be okay, but it will, I promise you, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, people, don't worry. Okay, yeah. everything 
So don't worry, everything's okay. And now. Now what? Hold on one moment, please, people. For what? What are we waiting for? <laughs> Hold on one minute. A minute is a long time I know, it's, it's, in it's broadcasting. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay, wait. Heads roll because of one minute oh, in broadcasting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well. Okay. All right. So now that we've encouraged you with that song, <laughs> let's encourage you with this song because <laughs> because I have a word, people. Yeah, I do. You're listening to Chris Rice Radio. <laughs> Live stream. Here I am on the other side of the live stream. Why I'm here and why anybody cares what I say. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I'm not a better man. I'm not a man. But he You're is. a better woman than I'll ever be. He's super cute, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Alright. Two, three, four. Now I imagine you on the other side of the camera. Or highway here in Tennessee. Um, I see you tapping the wheel. I see yeah. you well, bobbing your head to the radio. What? Yeah. You should know that. Maybe it's not a Tennessee native. Mm-hmm. This show's going to be so muted on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. Easy way to fix that. That's what, don't, don't have to worry about it. Okay, here we go. You and me singing the same song right now. Maybe this will bring us together somehow. Maybe there's a million people all singing along. In our wildest dreams. <laughs> Nightmares. Thinking about the third line. Maybe some saying a prayer for the first time. That's enough reason to keep me singing my song. Singing my song. on the other side of the radio. That's right, crank it up, people. Uh-huh. That would be me tonight, just so you know. We're changing somebody's world from the other side of the radio. Oh, and it makes my day. People are coming to Jesus, you know that, right? Chris Rice. He's such a good singer. Hey, John and Mia and other people out there. Anthony, Lisa. You and me singing the same song right now. Maybe this will bring us together somehow. Maybe there's a million people all singing along. There's no way there's a million people. (laughs) 
people <clears throat> okay well hopefully that cheered some of you up I know some of you are really sad right now and um, I feel your pain people I do I actually feel your pain I feel it I'm an empath I feel everything which is very annoying just so you know but tonight what I wanted to do is I wanted to come to you with with some comforting words. Um, I don't know what your week has been like, but this has been a very emotional week for me and not because of the election. Um, you know, November is a, is a tough month for me personally because, you know, my mom died in November. Her birthday's in November. Uh, Thanksgiving is in November. There's just all of these you know, emotional things that have, that happen in November. Um, plus the Lord, you know, has been doing, uh, a work in my mind and my heart and helping me deal with some stuff that needs to be dealt with. Um, and then you got the collective 2020, like this, this interesting movie we're living in, you know, have you ever thought, <laughs> 2020. Ah, who would have thought that this would be 2020? But you know what? There's a lot of good that has come out of 2020, right? I mean, there 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 is if you stop and think about it, right? So so the Chris Rice song Everything's Okay. Um one of my favorite lyrics in there is when he he talks about the bird. Have you read Matthew chapter 6 lately? where he says not to worry and to look at the birds and and see that he takes care of the birds of the air. I love birds. I I, I think <clears throat> maybe in another life I would have been or, or an ornithologist because um, I just, you know, I, I, I love birds. I always have. My maiden, my maiden name is, is Parrot. <laughs> my, my cousin's last name is Eagles. I always say my family went to the birds, people. Um, but, you know, the reality is, is that I have three bird feeders on my window and birds come up to my window every day that I feed. And I watch these birds. I study them. Uh, there's doves, there's cardinals, which are my absolute favorite. Uh, there's um, a tough mouse, which is a really cute little bird that loves to take the, the, the seed and to smack it on the, on the bird feeder to, to open it up and start cracking it with his beak. Sometimes we have the grackles come up, uh, depending on the food that I put in. Anyway, my point is, is that I look at all these birds and they're all created differently, but, and they have unique sizes and, and roles, but they're not complaining. They're being fed. They're being, you know, they're being fed by me. Just saying. 
And so this week has been tough, right? I mean, for this election, it's not over, but let's just be honest. It looks like it's over for those who support Trump, right? Okay, I'm just going to call it out there, you know. I have I have my hat, just saying. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot that I could say, but I wanted to be... I want, I want to encourage you first in the word. So let's read from, from the word. John chapter 14 begins this way. He says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. And then Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Stop right there. People want to know the way. This week I had the blessing of one of my friends in my networking community uh, share at my, my networking group that I lead on Thursday uh, that three people received Jesus this past couple uh, days uh, during uh, um, Halloween. Um, and it was cool because she shared this with me uh, and, and they're in our group um, and didn't feel comfortable sharing that in a secular platform. But, but she wanted to share it in our Christian group because people coming to Jesus every single day, we don't see it, you guys, but it, it is happening which brings me to the second passage I want to read you tonight. In John chapter 3, we read the following. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen. 
and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And I'm going to stop there for a minute and make a comment. We've shared on this show a lot about this. Nicodemus was the teacher of the law. Um, and in Judaism, they had six different ways to be born again. And so he asked this question, how can a man be born again when he's old? That's very key. Um, and, you know, there's there's six different ways they can be born again. Nicodemus was older. He was he was older than um, the last way he could be born again uh, under the law. And so this conversation that Jesus is having with him is very interesting makes complete sense in the context in which it's written, though, if you understand that. We're not going to look at all that tonight, but what I will tell you is that um, Nicodemus is an interesting figure to look at because he was seeking the Lord, he was seeking truth, and he he did it at night. You know, he kind of had to have that, you know, personal relationship with Jesus. Um, and yet, Jesus responds in verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. This is a prophecy about Jesus going to the cross. Nicodemus understood the law in the Old Testament. But verse 16 goes on to say, and everybody knows this verse, right? Although I didn't when I, when I first got saved, I was like, oh my gosh. And when somebody shared this verse with me, I was like, wow, this is a cool verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. So this morning, as I was reading through this, um, this really spoke to me and I wanted to share this with you because I think right now many people are really struggling as Christians about what's going on with this election. And I just want to, I want to, I want to remind you of something in Hebrews 12, 12, one and two and three, it reminds us that we should fix our eyes on Jesus, Right. And I gave this analogy earlier this week on my Facebook page. I used to be a lifeguard, and I learned when I was a lifeguard to jump into the water, fully clothed with shoes, and to make sure that my eye and the stroke, when I had the stroke, I had to keep my head up and keep my eye on the victim, right, on the, on the person drowning. So I always kept my eye where it was supposed to be. That's where we have to keep our eye. We have to keep our eye. On Jesus, on Jesus right now, right? We, we should always, but this is where we have to keep them. But it really struck me this morning, though, when it says in verse 17, he didn't send the son into the world to judge the world, or some verses, uh, some translators use the word condemn, 
to condemn the world, uh, but that the world might be saved through him. And then verse eight, he who believes in him is not judged or let's say condemned. He who does not believe has been judged or condemned, condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So what I want to share with you are, is a couple of things. Number one, when we're looking, when we are looking at Jesus, right, <clears throat> as his ambassadors, our job is to love and pray for the lost and dying world and to go out, to go therefore into all the world and make disciples, okay? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And to know that Christ is coming back. Our job isn't to go out and condemn anybody because that's not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. And I would say right now it can be really tempting, uh, especially if you're super passionate about politics. And I have a lot of friends that are, I'm a little disconnected from it because I don't have cable TV and I'm not, I'm not bathing in the news 24 seven. What I can tell you, however, is that there is, um, there, there is a lot of misinformation a lot of misinformation out there. I was reading some stuff that supposedly Jack Hibbs from Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills said, uh, some, uh, Susan Knoll Knowles over here on Periscope, who's a pretty popular broadcaster. She was quoting, quoting all this stuff allegedly that Jack Hibbs said it didn't Jack Hibbs said none, none of it. It was not true. So if Susan, somebody like Susan can get it wrong and quote, all this misinformation, then, you know, we got to be really careful about what we believe. And here, I'm just going to say something, and I mean this in the most loving, spiritual mommy type way, I can say it. And that is that none of us know the truth. Not one of us, not one of us knows what's going on. What we're being fed is we're being fed News from here and here, from the right, the left, conspiracy theorists, Q, you know, we're, we're being told a ton of stuff. But the reality is, you guys, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. There's, a, there's some idea, you know. But what I believe is that I believe that God is in control with all my heart. And I believe that for the believer, our goal should be to remember to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, Right? Regardless of who gets in, we, we, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. What, whoever gets in, your relationship with Christ is first, if you're a believer. And I'm going to tell you something, and I said this earlier this week, and maybe some of you didn't see this because you're not on my Facebook, but this is my conviction. Laying aside how this is playing out and you know, if it's underhanded, if it's fraud, laying aside all of that, because we don't know, right? We don't. None of us know. Laying that aside, what I can tell you for the church is this. Number one, that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We have overcome the world because we have Christ in us. So that's that's one thing. Number two 
is that if Donald Trump wins and, and that gets in, um, where will the church be? What will they do? How, how will that react? And, and for me, this is a very interesting subject because I've been watching people like Pat Robertson and, and a number of other prophets out there declaring that this was a landslide slide won by Trump and all this other stuff. So let's just say he didn't win. Let's just say there is no fraud and, and, and let's say Donald Trump really didn't win. Okay, just for sake of argument. What does that say about the Christian leaders who were prophesying that he did? Okay, okay. Number two, if Biden won, um, then my question is, are you ready to stand as a Christian? Because I know from the de Democratic platform, and frankly, I'm just going to be, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I think that if Biden won, then the church has a great opportunity now to grow. Because I think with a President Biden and a Vice President Harris, I think the church is going to begin to come under some pretty good persecution in America. And I think, and I know it's not popular, but I think that, you know, America has to fall. If you understand Bible prophecy, you understand the, you know, how this comes, America has to fall at some point. Because the Antichrist is going to rule the whole world. America is not going to be here to, you know, he's America, you know, it, America's got to fall. Okay. Could it be if that plays out that we have the greatest opportunity in the world as believers? Think about it. Let's say President Biden is the new president. And all of a sudden, the church now has to be the church. What are you going to do? How are you going to be? Where are you going to go? Who are you going to trust? Are you going to share Jesus with people? Are you going to be in his word? Are you going to go out there and commit to prayer, not just because you want a certain president, but because you really love Jesus and you really want Jesus to guide you and be your shepherd and walk with him constantly, not just when it's convenient for you. You know, I, I think personally, this is my conviction and, and you can agree or disagree with me, but I think personally that if Biden wins, even if it, you know, if it's fraud, it's fraud and you know, whatever we can find about all that. But if Biden wins, I think the church now has a great opportunity to be refined as fire or be refined by, by as gold in the fire for real believers. Cause God has been separating the sheep and the goats for a while. If you're, if you're an observer, you've been watching, you know, big name celebrities fall by the wayside and different things like that. So I say that because I want you to think differently than what the world is trying to point in your direction. I don't want you to be afraid of what's coming, regardless of who's in. I don't want you to freak out and flip out and think, oh, the world is ending. Get, heaven and earth will pass away, but God's words will never pass away. The world is not going to end right away. In fact, we may be closer to the rapture. <laughs> 
which would be completely cool. Wouldn't that be cool to be a part of it? Boom, we're gone. <laughs> but if we're not, you know, then we have the greatest opportunity in the history of all mankind to go out and to share the gospel with people. People are losing hope. People need hope. And they don't need hope and change. They need Jesus Christ. That's what they need. People need Jesus. People in the church need Jesus. People outside the church need Jesus Christ. And we need to have a revival for people to go back, get back to God. You know, we need people to truly repent and return to their first love. And not because they care about taxes or the economy or whatever, but because they truly care about Jesus Christ. Because frankly, in the end, that's all that matters is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who came to save us from our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to give us unconditional love because he really loves us. And I don't know about you guys, but I grew up without a whole lot of love. I didn't have the greatest parents in the world. My mom was not nice. My dad was gone. But when I came into a relationship with, with Jesus and I read his word, it completely undid me. I couldn't get enough of it. I just was just, I couldn't stop. And so let me ask you this and then Randall will, will say some stuff. Let me ask you something. How's your heart grown cold towards Jesus Christ? You know, Keith Green, many years ago, wrote a song, Your Love Broke Through. And then he also wrote another song called, I Pledge My Head to Heaven, which is one of my favorite songs. Um, and the whole gist of that song is, um, he said, I pledge my head to heaven for the gospel, you know, uh, and, and even would give up his family for the gospel. Um, will you? If it meant that we have an opportunity to share Jesus Christ and what he did for the whole world in a more vigorous and awesome way. If Joe Biden is the president, would that change your attitude toward it? If it meant that you were going to be conformed more to the image of Christ because he's going to teach you how to be loving more towards your enemies, would that change your attitude towards who's president? You know, if, if, it, if it meant that you would just have more communion with Jesus and fall more in love with him because you say you love him, because Joe Biden decides to be the, you know, he's the president and, and churches are now being persecuted more. And I'm saying that because I believe it will happen. Will you stand with the one who said, hey, you know what? You got to pick up your cross daily and follow me. A cross is a death instrument, you guys. You know, we got to lay down our life. We got to live like Jesus lived. He was 
a man, Isaiah says, who is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You know, they beat him so badly that you couldn't even recognize that he was a human being. I don't know about you, but that just impacts me on such a deep level that I can't even comprehend it. And yet what I know to be true is that God never lies, number one. He'll never lie to you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And he will never abandon you. He's not a God that despises you. He's a God that loves you. And his love can heal anything. You know, one of my favorite passages is the, it's the verse that says, God is near to the brokenhearted and the contrite in spirit. You know, there's so many people in the world who, who they just have a hard time with that. They have a hard time with grief. They don't want to be around somebody who has deep emotional feelings or, or they feel sad or anything, but we have a God that's so tender. He's the shepherd that loves us so much. He knows that you're sad. You know, he knows that you're brokenhearted. He knows what you're dealing with. He sees you at night if you're crying in your bed, if you're drinking that alcohol, you're using pornography. He sees it. He understands why. He understands why if you're having a problem in your marriage or you're having a difficult situation with your child or you're struggling at your job. He sees everything. He fearfully, he wonderfully made you. He loves you. Do you believe it? Do you believe that he loves you? Because he does. He loves you. You know? So, he knows this situation. He knows what's going on. And just like he said to Israel that he he was like a mother hen. He wanted to gather her you know, his, the, under, the, under his wing to protect him, you know, the, the Israel. I believe he wants to do that for you too. So tonight I want to pray for you that if you're in that situation where you're just like, God, I don't get it. I, ha- I hate this situation. I want you to have a fresh encounter with, with, with the Lord because he loves you. So I'm going to pray for, for you that God would touch your heart. Father, I pray, Lord, right now for your people who are despondent, who some who are brokenhearted, some who are really mad and angry, some, Father, who just don't even know. I just want to pray that your spirit would bring comfort to them, that your spirit would counsel them, and that your spirit, Lord, would convict them of anything that is between them and you. And Lord, I pray also for anybody who doesn't know you, that that your love would woo them and that they would come into a personal relationship with you so that they could, that, that they, so that they could encounter you and how awesome you are, Lord. How much, that you are love, that you are, you are, you didn't come to condemn us, but you came to save us. 
So, Lord, I pray that that truth would hit solid, good soil and that it would go deep wherever it goes. And, um, Lord, thank you for whatever it is you're doing. And I thank you, Lord, for each person here. I pray that you would just bless them and that you would tell them that you love them personally. And there's some of you out there who are kind of fighting against that, I think. I think there's some of you out there who are like, oh, if God really loved me, then blah, blah, blah. But you know what? He he does love you. You know, I read a book once, and in it it said that one, the likelihood of you being here is like one in 400 trillion. That's a lots of sperm and lots of eggs that, that didn't become you. Right? One in 400 trillion. That is an amazing number. Don't ever think that you were, are not worth anything if, or that life is over because of out external circumstances. It's not. As Janet Parshall used to say, real life hasn't even yet begun. When we're out of this place, that's when real life begins. This, this eternity that we got going on right here is nothing compared to eternity. So don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. Uh, don't lose heart heart and doing good. Don't grow weary in doing good because for in due time we'll reap if we don't grow weary. And the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. So go out there, people, and start telling people about Jesus. Get your eyes off the politics and get your eyes on the king because that's where it has to be. Okay? Okay. I love you. You know that, right? You know I love you. So thanks for listening to that big, long speech, but that was really on my heart, and I hope it helped you. All right, Bareface. That, that's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, good stuff. I mean, that's what it comes down to, that, you know, heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never pass away, the Lord said, and more than one place, and... And, you know, um, yeah, there are, you know, this, here we are in the U.S. And so, you know, we're talking about the U.S. presidential election and there are another place in the world too. Uh, but, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, whoever, whoever the next president is, is for a maximum of eight years and. And, you know, that compared to attorney. And, and there are some good folks out there on either side of the aisle. You know, then we've, we've highlighted them, you know, in their blog posts and stuff like that. Said, you know, the, the never Trumpers because of his character. And, and it's wrong for a Christian to get behind that. And then there's those that, well, any front runner of a party that advocates the death of the uh, pre-born is, you know, that can't. You know, a Christian in good conscience can't support that. Um, unfortunately, I didn't know of any uh, real solid <laughs> believers running for the highest office in the land. But, you know, your, your neighbors that voted way one way or the other had the Trump sign in your yard or even the Trump or the Biden sign, you know, in their yard. Or they had the MAGA hat or, you know, whatever, you know. <laughs> Or they still have the Obama Biden sticker, you know, on the on their bumper, whatever it is. 
I mean, it's not like your neighbors, I doubt it, are sitting there plotting like, how can we destroy this country? And how can we make everybody's life miserable? And how can we... I still love this hat. Though. No. I just have to tell you. I love this hat. My hair is big and fluffy, but hey, you know, go ahead, take a picture. You know, at, at the end of the day, you know, everybody wants good things. I think for the neighbor from a, you know, you know, from a, from a, uh, strictly, you know, material sense, mm-hmm. you know, mortal life sense, you know, everybody wants, you know, affordable health care and clean water and, you know, good food and all that and better roads and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's just that people have different ideas and how those things should come about. You know, one, you know, some people think the government is the be all end all to supply everything. Of course, I'm with, you know, that a government big enough to give you everything you want is powerful enough to take everything you have. Um, And then, you know, those who think that, you know, those things are better left up to, you know, private people and private enterprise and that kind of thing. So. You know, this idea that, you know, your neighbor is your enemy kind of thing. Uh, so there's only one enemy, enemy of the human race, and that is Hasatan, the adversary. Yep. The accuser who comes, you know, that's... just like the thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You know, that's his M.O. And and there are those, they may not be your neighbor, but they are in seats of power, that um, are avowed you know followers of the evil one of that dragon mm-hmm. that old dragon satan the devil and and that is their mo to cause division and dissension and uh, upheaval so that they can come in with the solution to the problem that they caused and you know you can go back read People that wrote during the Russian Revolution, the early 20th century, those who were eyewitnesses of it and and how it happened. Not not, I mean, you can read Karl Marx, you know, Communist Manifesto, get an idea of, you know, what he envisioned that many have tried to uh, implement, but always ends up being a dictatorship that's not good for anyone except for the oligarchy in power. Um, but. Uh, you know, those who were, you know, eyewitnesses of how communism was implemented in Russia. You can read, um, you can read history, contemporary history, the, you know, of the 1930s and how, how the Third Reich came to power in Nazi Germany. Uh, more, more can, you know, more contemporary history, um, uh, the the revolution in Burma now Myanmar and um, or me, Vietnam for that matter, um, or <laughs> or Korea or or China, and they're all working from the same playbook that includes that create the division, uh, create the crisis, and then you know come in with the with the quote savior the um you know the problem solver problem solvers that are um gonna make everything better 
and and we've seen a lot of that this cycle with um all the the blm and antifa and all that kind of stuff um that we know for a fact are paid operatives and that kind of stuff it's it's the playbook right well you know Saul Alinsky's you know rules for radicals all that it, that's nothing new under the sun that goes back to you know back to the Russian Revolution anyway hey this is tag news and politics and YouTube so um, all of that to say that even though those things are going on in in higher places and even higher places in the physical. Because uh, Apostle Paul reminds us that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And, uh, you know, wickedness in heavenly places or high places, um, you know, the ideas in the spiritual realms. That it's not, it's not just corrupt politicians in Washington, D.C. or the, the communists or the devil worshippers, you know, a lot of Satan's practices and policies are implemented through human agents but in back of that you know over that is uh spiritual hosts of wickedness and and you know in immaterial places that's my translation um so yeah that stuff's going on uh, implemented in human affairs but it's just like, it's not just the news media and it's not the communists and, you know, the community organizers and stuff like that that are stirring up the dissension, the division and the unhappiness and the discontentedness and, and you know, turning people against their neighbors and that kind of stuff. It's, it's the enemy of our souls. Who's behind that and demonic forces doing that what so they can get their person in power no so they can destroy humanity uh, before they come to saving knowledge um, mm -hmm. and in the Lord Jesus Christ and so that is why the scripture admonishes us to you know, to take up the shield of faith and wield the sword of the spirit and stand against the wiles of the devil, not the wiles of Washington, D.C. or anything like that. I mean, think about think about the period in which the New Testament was written uh, in the time of the Roman Empire when 50% easily the population were slaves. And and talk about a, even though Rome had a senate uh, and was a republic of sorts it was mostly a republic for the wealthy people and um and the caesar really was a dictator and and there was a zero tolerance for religious freedom and and even in that environment you know um you know paul is writing about standing against the wiles of the devil not against the caesar or anything like that or the empire because he recognized that, you know, whatever, whatever place on earth, uh, the real operatives were still the op real operatives, the, um, you know, the principalities and powers and the immaterial places that we don't battle against flesh and blood. Um, 
So, with that knowledge, having that knowledge, we need to direct our attention to where attention is due. Um, uh, the trouble, the trouble, and the dissension, and the discord is not is not ultimately the responsible of responsibility of flesh and blood that realize the enemies behind that. And on the flip side, the the um, the solution to that is not some politician that's going to come in and save the day. It's um, who wants people to be conformed into some image. Uh, the solution comes from transformation on the inside out, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Right. And 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 here's the thing. You know, look, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm disappointed this whole thing has happened. However... I'm not devastated and crushed. I'm I'm not like, oh, I'm going to die. No. I I'm actually I I know it's a weird thing to say, but I think if Biden ends up in the office, I think for it's sure an time. it's a opportunity for the church to evangelize like never before. And if the church wants a revival, a revival happens really good under persecution, just saying. Historically, yes. Mm-hmm. I know a little bit going, about that. Going back to the first, second, especially the second century, and um, certainly in more recent history, going back to the spread of communism mm-hmm. through the, the 50s through the 80s, you know. Um, I mean, it was it was at near the end of World War II that Russia came into Eastern Europe. You know, they were allies, even though it was a communist nation at that time. They were allies in displacing the Nazis from Europe, but then they never left, you know. You remember. Um, and so, so it wasn't really until, even though that, that was the late 40s, you know, um, mid-40s, it wasn't really until uh, the early 50s when, when the communist regime and dictators were... Um, you know, thoroughly established. You remember Joseph? Which one? You know, the guy that had the coat of many colors. Or the the coat that went well, down to yeah. what, however you want to translate it. And um, his Technicolor dream coat. No. Um, <laughs> Yosef. So you remember how his brothers sold him? Yep. You know, he ended up in this pretty much mm. prison for a while. Pretty much, and, and it, it, was. it wasn't. It wasn't until, you know, uh, you know, after some stuff happened, there was a dream, and the guy's like, "Oh, yeah, I forgot all about that guy." The cupbearer. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it? The that, cup, not the bread. Now, what was it that God used Joseph for? Uh, to save a nation, basically, to save a people. Right, and how did two that nations ha- how really? How did that happen, though? It happened through. What? A situation that was unlikely, and what was it um, that Joseph said? Didn't to he his say, brothers. Yep. Did, what did, what was it he said that he's famous for saying? Well, if you put it in English, he said, "What you meant for evil, God meant for, for good. good." Right. And and we could look at the Hebrew language right now and pull it up, but since we've got less than nine minutes, it's that's that's a good pretty good translation the idea is not that god was able to pick up the pieces and make it into something good after terrible happened but that he was 
behind it from the beginning, that he orchestrated all of that, orchestrated his sale into slavery, orchestrated his being, uh, you know, uh, falsely accused by his employer's wife, being in prison for years, whatever, uh, that God allowed that stuff to happen so that, you know, God meant it for good. Because none of that would have happened. His elevation to basically prime minister of Egypt wouldn't have happened with, and he wouldn't have had the relationship with God and the wisdom and all that, you know, all those things were necessary uh, behind that. And, um, you know, that uh, just makes me think of, of God's sovereignty. And that always takes me back, you know, to... Which nobody talks about. That's And that's kind of an interesting topic. Yeah, which always, always takes me back to um, Acts chapter 2, verse um, uh, 22 and 23. Uh, really, 23. Um, 23 and 24. Um, I'm going to just read here. Okay. And, and you think about... The calamities and tragedies that have happened throughout, you know, history, uh, when when something was perceived as being, uh, you know, uh, a tragedy in, in biblical proportions, <laughs> that was the crucifixion of the Messiah, you know, from their perspective. But Acts chapter two, verse twenty-two, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not able that he should be held by it. So, what happened from an earthly perspective is lawless hands out of envy, you know, crucified him and put him to death. They weren't, they weren't saying, oh, I'm going to do the will of God today. I'm going to put this troublemaker to death. I'm going to make sure, you know, if you go read the gospels and all the underhanded stuff that was happened to set up a trial and bring him before Pilate so that he could be put to death, etc., there was there was nothing righteous about it. It was all from selfish motives, selfish, wicked motives, lawless hands. But what does the scripture, what did Peter say about that? Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death. So basically on, on your part, you were doing evil. You were being sinful. But on his part, you ended up accomplishing what God intended according to his purpose, determined purpose. Because if there hadn't have been, if there hadn't have been a death, there couldn't have been a resurrection. Uh, had there not been a death, there would not have been forgiveness. For there is no forgiveness, um, you know, without the shedding of blood. And we go on, you know, for a lifetime of study. Um, from the law of the prophets and the writings, the uh, things concerning the Messiah uh, that all had to be and were prophesied before, 
but it doesn't let the evildoers off the hook because they were still doing evil, even though it accomplished God's purposes. So, you know, when it talks about, when we debate about free will and predestination, you know, what is it? You know, when it comes to salvation or being lost, is it predestination or free will? I have to answer, yes. <laughs> That's what I see in scripture, Yes. So let's say hi to some people. Indeed. Because we, we have some people, some friends out there. So Ivan's hey, son is out there. Anthony is there. Um, Kim, I don't know if you guys are still watching. <laughs> hope you are. I uh, hope you guys are still out there. There's a couple other people over on YouTube. By the way, thank you guys for watching YouTube. I appreciate it. Subscribe, people. <laughs> Trying to get to 1,000 followers uh, or more, which, you know, we might have to do that at some point Mia is still over on periscope which is nice and lisa and i don't know who else is over there but hello people no couple people are on facebook yeah you are jerry was over there earlier um all that i hope you're um I she still is is she yeah i don't i don't know but anyway <laughs> glad you're there yeah i am otherwise i'd be talking to myself which, you know, happens a lot, actually. <laughs> Be like, you know, my dad, I am. Um, I will give an update about my dad. Some of you guys have been wondering about that. I haven't mentioned my dad in a while. Um, part of the reason it's been a hard week for me as well. Um, you know, my dad has, my dad says, my dad's 92 and he has um, um dementia so i was gonna say selective memory yeah it's a challenge um but you know he has a couple of things he said to me that have really really impacted me number one pray that's what he always says he always says pray pray and then he'll he goes and i mean really pray that's one number two thing my dad says you can quote him on this worry Makes it worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Worry makes it worse. Dash Clayton Parrot. That's my dad. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Randall's like, uh, Anne, did you forget something? <laughs> I, I could, I could, I could see your face without seeing your face. <laughs> um. Yeah, but, you know, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, the other thing is that, you know, it's, it, it's hard, <laughs> you know, um, yesterday I, I went to see my dad. Well, I had to, I had to talk to him on zoom because in Tennessee, they want me to get COVID tested to see my dad. I don't want to get COVID tested. I don't want, I, I feel like that's a violation of my privacy, my medical right. When I'm not sick, I don't feel like I need to waste time to go get COVID tested. Because uh, I think this whole COVID thing is the con. And I'm not saying that the COVID isn't real because it's real. But what I am saying is that the COVID pandemic, 99.6% of people that get it live and there's no reason for all of us to be doing what we're doing, right? 
So meanwhile, though, I have to talk to my dad through the internet. And I don't even get any privacy anymore. The The people that work at the assisted living, they're sitting there listening to everything that I'm talking to them, talking to my dad about. It feels like he's in prison and I'm visiting and being monitored. And so yesterday, <clears throat> I, after, after I got done talking to my dad, who was all over the map emotionally, he was just, you know, um, I told him, I said, Dad, I'm going to bring you over some magazines because some of his car magazines I ordered for him came, came. And when I get to his assisted living, the receptionist who they have also playing security guard uh, meets me and basically says, you can't come in here. You know, and she's keeping my dad away. My dad wants to come out, right? There's other residents that want to come outdoors. They would not let my dad come out just to have me even hand him the magazines. And I'll tell you what, I felt so angry. I was mad. I was just livid because I was like, you know what? I am not a criminal. My dad isn't a criminal. This is ridiculous that I can't see my dad and give him a hug. I left. I came home. <clears throat> I started to cry because every time this happens, I cry. Uh, it upsets me because it's like I've lost practically a whole year with my father, um, aside from my whole life. But, you know, when you're his only caregiver, it's it's like it's, it's, it's awful what these people are doing. So I called the governor of Tennessee up because <laughs> I thought, you know what? The governor is the one that put this, these ridiculous restrictions on. And I, I, uh, gave them my point of view. Then I posted on Facebook for everybody else to call the governor to, I don't know how many people did, but, but <clears throat> why do I share that? I share it because, because I'm hurting. I miss my dad. I love my dad. Uh, my dad's confused. He doesn't get get what's going on. But I also had to pray and think about God's word. And here's here's what I came to in my mind. Number one, am I honoring my dad? Yeah, I am. I'm taking care of my dad. Um, number two, um, if this is a way for the Lord to bring me closer to him and trust him with my dad and allow, you know, basically to choose God over my dad. Am I willing to do that? And I had to really think about it because it's, that's a hard, it's a hard thing, you know? And I was like, okay, God, look, I know you're in control. And then I was thinking about my stepdad, number two, John, who many years ago was my mom's second husband, well, technically third husband. And um, John was an alcoholic and he died of pancreatic cancer um, when I was just out of high school. And I had spent four years in his house sharing the gospel with him. But one thing I don't do well is funerals. I don't do death well. I don't do, I don't do funerals well. And I was thinking about it and I was thinking did was it wrong for me to not go to John's funeral? 
And did I re do I regret not going to my stepdad's funeral? Here I am, 52, and this happened when I was about 20. Um, and I came to the conclusion that, no, I don't regret it because I don't have that ugly death cancer memory, which I, I still see John in a certain way. And my mom actually gave me a, uh, a Bible that John got when he was in Germany because he came over from Germany uh, after he served under Hitler. I know, right? Yeah, who would have thought? Um, and anyway, so my dad gave me this, uh, my stepdad gave me this little Bible. It's about that big. It's about, about, about an inch, about as big as my thumb. Very, very little print. It came with a magnifying glass, which I lost. But, but that Bible, my mom gave it to me and she said, John wanted you to have this. Which kind of tells me that maybe John maybe heard what I had to say. I don't know, but I hope. You know, and then I was thinking about my mom because my mom died 18 years ago, two days ago. And my mom didn't become a believer until the very end of her life. And it's been a very bittersweet time for me because of the, um, because, you know, I have a lot of friends that have parents that are my, you know, that are older because they're, well, I'm 52. I have, I have friends that are older than me whose parents are still living and my, my dad's still alive, but my mom's gone. And that it's weird for a daughter to lose a mother. And it doesn't matter if the relationship was good or not. There's always a very powerful connection between a daughter and a mother. I don't care. You know, I, I just don't care if you had a good relationship with your mom or not. You you came out of her body, right? I mean, there was, you were tied. She let you live to a degree. I mean, obviously she let you live because you are here. And I loved my mom. I said some words the other day. There is a point to this, by the way. I'm not just having personal therapy, okay? I'm just, I'm sharing with you. So I have a magnet of my mother on my fridge. Um, it's faded. Um, it's been there for 18 years, about. Um, it's one of the last pictures I have of my mom. She had cancer face. You know, I don't know if, how many of you know what that is, but it's it's that face that people get. It's kind of a bloated look. Um, anyway, I don't look at that picture much, but I did earlier this week, and I looked at it, and I told my mom by looking at the picture that I loved her. I hadn't said those words in a long time. And I thought, what would my mom think of what's going on right now, you know, in the world? <laughs> my mom had an opinion, I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's kind of, I'm a little bit like her in that way. And then I thought, well, hmm, can people in heaven look down and see what's going on here? Is it wrong to want to, you know, 
you know, wonder how they are. You know, the assumption is if you're in heaven, you're doing pretty good, right? And I wouldn't want my mom to be here because, you know, being in heaven's way better. You know, um, it's interesting because we have a journey in life to live for, for, for the Lord. My mom didn't live for the Lord. She wasn't a believer until the very, very end of her life. And, and she was somebody who, um, went from despising me as a child and wishing I was never born and telling me that if abortion was legal, I'd be gone, uh, to at the very end of her life, um, hugging me, which she never did my whole life, but she did hug me at the end of my life, at the end of her life and telling me I was her favorite. A crumb, really, in the world of parenting. But nonetheless, it was still a crumb that I hold on to. Because I always said, for the 20 years I was praying for my mom, if God can save my mom, God can save anybody, because my mom was not nice. That's an understatement. And Randall can bear witness because he knew my mom. Um, so I have this, you know, interesting relationship with my dad and my my mom. <laughs> and I was thinking about it today because I was talking to Pam Gillespie this morning during our Bible time together. And... If you guys didn't see that episode, you got to go back and watch it on Sunday. It was, it was a it was a great show. You need to go watch it, hear her testimony, and um, and really embrace being in the Word. Um, you know. There, there's hope, right? I didn't have the most perfect parents in the world. That's obvious from what I just shared. But what I can tell you is that I wouldn't change who I am today because all those experiences made me who I am, right? All the experiences that I chose to go through when I went through recovery and when I made the choice to marry Randall, um, when I moved from California to Tennessee, when I went to college and took forever because I have a learning issue and and even doing this show and the journey of this show and this show is going to change. God's calling this show in a different direction. You'll know about that in a little in a little while as soon as we get it underway. Um, we're not going away, by the way. We're going to expand. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change the journey. I don't like the pain. I'm not going to lie about that part. But the journey leads you to where you have to be. And that's where America's at right now. America's at a turning point. And 
I think God for so many years has been trying to get America's attention, in particular the church. And I think, I think, I think it's time. I think it's going to happen. So I don't know if that made any sense, but as you know, I, I talk and I, I cry and I tell you stories. So take that for what it's worth. Um, I hope it, I hope you're hearing my heart and what I'm saying here, because I think it's important that people, um, really consider what's going on. The most important thing in your world, in your life is your salvation. Maybe it's because I, I spend a lot of time around old people and I'm an old soul anyway, myself, but you're going to die someday, most likely. And the question is, where are you going to go when you die? Are you going to embrace Jesus or are you going to go and reject Jesus? I want to encourage you to embrace Jesus. Get to know him. Open up the Bible and open it up and read it. If you don't know where to read, start in the Gospels. Luke is my favorite Gospel. So read Luke. I know a lot of people say read John. You can read John too if you want. Um, but but read somewhere and make it a habit. Get into the habit. And if you have questions, I'm here. You can reach out to me. If I don't know them, I'll reach out to Pam because she knows more than I do. If Pam doesn't know, I'll talk to Bearface. If Bearface doesn't know, I'll call other people up. I, You know, there's there's lots of us that know stuff. Um. So that is that is my my thoughts for tonight. Randall, do you want do you have any other thoughts? Um I often think about something, but no, not for tonight. <laughs> you think about something, but you, and by the way, Randall is growing a beard. It's November after all. I didn't He's he's I, gonna try to grow I, a beard. It's I shaved take him months. I shaved on the first, so it's really not Technically official, so how many how many days of growth is that? Um five. That's five days of growth? That's nothing. I shave my neck though. Otherwise it just looks like I totally, I have a dirty face. And, I, I love uh, when Randall grows a beard. You know why? Because first of all, he's cute. He looks like a little apostle. Like I like I like I don't know what an apostle looks like, but in my mind you're a little you're kind of like apostle. you're kinda like a cute little apostle. But then the other thing is, is once it all grows in, oh. he's going to be gray. Yeah. He's going to look his age. He'll look older than me because <laughs> I have all this stuff. That's my hair color. Because <laughs> look, let's just admit it. Me and him got pretty good, you know, non-wrinkly skin for our age. Mm -hmm. Well, Randall's got more bags under his eyes, though, than I do. <laughs> mm. My forehead is far more wrinkled than but, yours. But I'm, I'm white. I'm I'm just so white. That's why I wear makeup. And even though I have makeup on, it's, I'm so white. But God made me white, people. Yeah, he did. <sighs> so I'm okay. I'm okay with that. All right. So that's the show for what it's worth. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you watched the whole thing, I love you for that. If you didn't, well... I'm not heartbroken, but, you know, you missed some good stuff if you didn't. And um, 
I want to just say this last thing. Be bold, people. <laughs> Stand up and go with God, people. Why? Because he loves you. That's why. And God needs you out there sharing the gospel with other people. So make that a priority. And we'll see you tomorrow.